Good morning, Sunnybrook, or good afternoon, or good evening. I don't know when you're watching this. This is our online service, and I'm Ryan Vincent, and it's my pleasure to bring this to you this week. Um, it's going to be a strange week this Sunday. Um, you might actually be watching this as I'm preaching this message live to an audience here at the church. And so, strange week, strange Sunday, uh, one of the weirder ones that I think I can remember. Um, here's what I want to do today. First of all, if you have your Bibles or if you have your Bible app, go ahead and turn to the, in them to, to 1 Thessalonians 4. That's the passage we're going to be studying together this morning. And here's how I want to break this down. I want us to take a look at our current situation at Stillwater in 2020. And then I'm going to take us back into 1 Thessalonians 4 and look at an ancient problem that the Apostle Paul was trying to solve. And then after that, I want to come back to 2020 and see if there's anything that we can learn from what Paul tells to this church in, in Thessalonica uh, as to how we can live today together. Now, here's why our present situation is rather unique. And I don't know that I'm telling you anything you don't know. But if today is Sunday when you're watching this, some of us are together here at the church, and some of us are not. Some of us have very good reasons that we need to stay home. Some of us are a little concerned, and some of us are just waiting things out. Others of us are eager to get back to being together at church. And so some of us are together, some of us are not. This is obvious, um, but it's also really important, not only theologically, but socially, and there's something here that we, we should uh, investigate as we, as we move into the scriptures. And I want you to think through this. What does our current situation, some of us together and some of us not, what does that situation do to your heart? That's a question I've been wrestling with this week. And as we turn to the scriptures, I, I hope that we can find some answers about what this situation is doing to our hearts. So we're looking at 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 9 through 12. And the question that we want to wrestle with is, what about living a quiet life? Now, Paul deals with the question of a quiet life way back in the first century in a city in Greece called Thessalonica. And uh, it, as much as we can guess, this letter would have been written around the year 50, 51 AD. So roughly 2,000 years ago. And in 2015, I actually preached this very passage in a discipleship series. And my sermon title then was Ordinary. And what we did is we looked at this passage from the perspective of what does it look like to live quietly, to maybe live more of a mundane, though still radical and on fire for Jesus life in the everyday, at home with our families, at work with our colleagues, at school, just the everyday things. That's how we approach this passage last time, five years ago. What I want to do is I want to, I want to pick this up, the very same passage, and it, you can think of it almost like a gym I want to turn it and look at a different facet this time. I want to deal with the quiet life still more, but I want, to, I want to consider it from a different perspective. Here's how it begins in verse 9. Paul says about brotherly love. And if you wanted to kind of expand that, brotherly, sisterly love, love within the community of faith. He says, you don't need me to write you because you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. 
In fact, you are doing this toward all the brothers and sisters in the entire region of Macedonia. What I want you to notice about this is that Paul is not talking about love as a feeling or as an emotion. This is a, a, a more of a, a tangible kind of love. Earlier on in 1 Thessalonians, he actually talks about Timothy, who was sent to Thessalonica on Paul's behalf, returning to speak with Paul and telling Paul about their faith and about their love. And we can kind of put the pieces together, though we don't ever actually get a direct answer, but I would assume the pieces are along the lines of their love came in the form of hospitality when, when Timothy visited them at the church, financial assistance, prayer for his mission and Paul's mission. There's a tangible demonstration of love going on here, and it's not just toward one another in the church in Thessalonica, but to other churches in the region. This is more than just a feeling of love. It's love that can be seen in some way. In verse 10, he says, but we encourage you, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, to do this even more. It's like, I know you do it, but I want you to do it even more. And then in verse 11, to seek to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. Now, this quiet life, um, you could also translate that phrase as, we want you to be at rest or to, uh, to live peaceably. In other words, Paul is basically saying, like, in the context of loving one another, I want you to live a quiet life. I, I don't want you to do good things for each other. I don't want you to demonstrate your love tangibly just so that you could be known for doing it. Maybe he's saying, I don't want you to love one another so that, then you, so that you then have the right to meddle in one another's lives. He says, mind your own business. Again, there's a lot here that, um, that we're not given. He's, he's writing this letter to, to a, a church that would just naturally understand what he's getting at. Maybe if, if Jesus were to say something similar, he would say, hey, when, when it comes to your righteousness, to your righteous deeds, don't let your left hand and your right hand know what each other is doing. Don't meddle. Now, this quietness that Paul calls for, it does, it's not passivity. He's not saying, be quiet, therefore don't involve yourself in one another's lives. No, get involved, love one another. But then, at the same time, mind your business. The book of 1 Thessalonians is all about this radical commitment to the gospel. It's anything but passive. And yet, Paul calls them to lead that quiet life by, by not getting involved in things they ought not get involved in. And then we get a little hint as to some of the problems in Thessalonica when he says that you need to work with your own hands. In the second letter to the Thessalonian church, 2 Thessalonians, particularly chapter 3, we get a picture of uh, what we might call end times confusion, or a big theological word for it is eschatological confusion. There were people in the church in Thessalonica that believed that Jesus would return any minute now. Not just living as though Jesus could return and, and therefore kind of living these holy lives. No, they've basically decided he'll be here by Friday. We're done doing anything else. And they ceased to be um, contributors to society. And Paul said, hey, work with your hands. Stop acting as if you don't have to do anything to contribute to the community. So in other words, it says, love one another, stay out of each other's business, and put your head down and do a good job working. And then in verse 12, he says, why do we do this? So that, there's like the, the purpose clause, so that you may behave properly in the presence of outsiders and not be dependent on anyone. 
So in all these instructions, love one another all the more. Do so quietly. Don't get into each other's business and work hard with your hands for two good reasons. You'll get two good outcomes. First of all, the unbelieving world will see this beautiful picture and may get a glimpse of the gospel. And second of all, you're going to be independent, financially independent, and, and kind of live out this, this economically stable society witnessing to a broken world. Okay, so what does all of that have to do with this, this problem that we find ourselves in today? What does uh, eschatological confusion or uh, confusion about when Jesus would return 2,000 years ago have to do with uh, a society that's been shaken by this pandemic? How do we, in other words, live out quiet lives together? What does 1 Thessalonians 4 mean for us today? Well, our confusion isn't eschatological, but we do have a social issue on our hands. And that's what I want to spend our time this morning or this afternoon or this evening. Again, whenever you're watching this, that's what I want to spend our time discussing, maybe questioning through. And I don't know how many answers I'm going to have for you, but I hope that we can operate with some, some thought-provoking questions that can maybe prompt some reflection in us. I'll leave the health questions to the experts, but uh, the social question is at least in part a family discussion between brothers and sisters. And in that sense, it is very much like 1 Thessalonians 4. You see, um, the whole COVID-19 crisis has forced an abrupt society-wide reset where we all of a sudden have this opportunity and I'm not using that word glibly. I really believe we have an opportunity to rethink some things and to um, maybe with fresh eyes consider how we could actually love our brothers and sisters well. In light of 1 Thessalonians 4, these are some of the questions that I've been wrestling through. And I'm not going to use these as a way of saying, you must therefore ask these same questions. But as I process these here with you, maybe, maybe you hear a question that you ought to ask, or you hear a version of it that you hadn't considered. And maybe we can seek to live quiet lives together. Here's the first question I've been wrestling with. Am I loving my brothers and sisters in a visible, tangible way? Um, there have been outbreaks and pandemics since the beginning of human history. But today, pandemics are dealt with online. And that can be um, maybe not the best way to do it. Um, in fact, I have some concerns that a lot of our dialogue is happening in a format, in a context where it doesn't actually provide as much good as we hope it might. Um, as I began to withdraw due to exhaustion and and maybe some futility that I was recognizing, which Scott will preach about next week. As I begin to withdraw from the 24-hour news cycle and from the, the social media world, I suddenly discovered that I had more time to do other things. And I thought, well, okay, so what, what are some of the things that I can fill my time with? If I'm not just glued to a screen, seeing what we're mad about now, or what this expert versus that expert are debating about. Maybe I could practice hospitality. 
Maybe I could love like we think that things were taking place in Thessalonica. Maybe I could pray for my brothers and sisters more. Maybe I could have long conversations with, with a friend. I, we, we, can't, we, we just now got to the point where maybe we can have people in the church again. We've been limiting things to just staff, but I've had some fun conversations just sitting in the parking lot with friends, having long talks, hearing their hearts as they need to process something. Are you, are you loving people tangibly? Are you, if you are, then I think with Paul, I would say, wonderful, do so all the more. Um, Paul didn't have social media, um, but he did tell people to mind their own business. And I wonder if there's something there for us to learn. This reminds me of Paul's instructions at the end of the book of Galatians, where he says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those uh, who belong to the household of faith. Paul saying we work for the good of all, but especially there's something special about the household of faith. And in that household, we show a special kind of love. And so I've had to think through, does the love that I have to offer, is it more than just a, a social media post signaling my virtue and doing little more than that? Is it love in, within my community, within the household of faith that I am connected to, where, um, where we actually engage with one another in meaningful ways? I've been thinking through that lately. The second question that I've been working through over the past few weeks is, am I willing to extend that love and at the same time lay down my right to critique? That one is hard for me. It is hard for me to sit across the parking lot, just a few spaces in camp chairs from a friend who's telling me things, and I just need to listen right now. Right now, we're not talking about moral issues. We're talking about things that just need to be discussed. And I did not feel it was my place to critique. I don't even know if I had anything I should critique. But nevertheless, I went into that conversation resolved to remain quieter than normal. Sometimes I think whenever I love you or help somebody out in a loving way that I've in some sense earned the right to then parent them. I wouldn't be surprised if many of us feel very similarly. Look, if you need my help with this, then you probably need my help with other things. Can I just give you some advice? I'm not here to say advice is bad. I am here to say much of it is unsolicited. And I have asked God to help me love others and set aside my tendency. Sometimes it feels like my need to criticize or to offer my own wit and wisdom. Um, we've all developed new thoughts about lots of things and lots of people in light of the current pandemic. Um, I'm convinced that there are three givens these days. There's death, there's taxes, and then there's everybody has to agree with me what I think about COVID-19. Those are the things that I'm finding everybody believes. And uh, I don't know, forming widespread generalized opinions about society at large is our new national sport while we have no national sports. 
it's hard to put your finger on uh, on society. It's hard to take society's pulse and get a sense of what everybody's thinking. But um, music actually has this interesting way of disarming us to the point where we can hear something afresh. And there are two songs that, that have just struck me lately as maybe um, symbolize. There's just a couple of lines in these songs that symbolize different sides of the aisle as we're all trying to make these sweeping judgments about everybody else. The first one is from a band called the 21 Pilots. They're a pop band. They're really popular. They're actually pretty good. This song's really catchy. It came out on April 9th of 2020, and it's famous for being kind of the first song that went viral, went popular from a big group about COVID-19. And the song is titled Level of Concern, and it, it's popular. On Spotify alone, it's getting about a million plays a day. And in it, there's this, this line, this series of, of lines that I think really demonstrate what a lot of people feel like. So here's what the lead singer says. He says, this is about halfway through the song. Actually, I think this is the chorus. Because I told you my level of concern, but you walked by like you never heard. And you could bring down my level of concern, just need you to tell me we're all right, tell me we're okay. I know a lot of people that feel like that. And then there's this, he, he says, I need you to tell me we're all right, tell me we're okay. He says that over and over and over. And then he just kind of, it almost fades out there at the end of that line. He says, I need you now. I need you now. And I think that's a wonderful representation of what a lot of people are feeling right now. A lot of people are scared. A lot of people have loved ones who have been actually diagnosed with, with COVID-19, tested positive. I know some who have lost family members due to the virus. I know some who are just generally anxious about all of it. And I know that many people just want others to recognize that and to act accordingly. But I know others who think rather differently. I know others who think that we're, we're not, not, not to dismiss those that have been injured or, or have lost their life, but I know others who believe that we're making a big deal out of this when really we, we're, we don't have all the information we need. And they might resonate with a line from this other band known as Foster the People. And they have a song from 2017 called Pay the Man. And in the middle of the song, I don't even know what they mean by it. I have studied their lyrics, and I, they might just be utter nonsense. But this line just struck me as one that represents how a lot of us are feeling right now. And it says this, The deaf man heard what the mute man said. Then they all followed where the blind man led. And I think a lot of people feel like we're, we're listening to deaf, mute, and blind people and trusting them implicitly, and there's really no justifiable reason to trust everybody who's making the decisions. Over the last couple of months, I have been on one side, I have been on the other side, I've been somewhere in between, and I'm kind of moving around all the time. But I think these really help us see where a lot of people are at. And uh, I don't believe that I can live the quiet life well if I spend all of my time critiquing someone because they land on this side or that side or somewhere in between. I think that I'm, I'm being forced to wrestle with 
Proverbs 17 instead. As, as, as clever as those lyrics might be, Proverbs 17 speaks in a way that just, there's something there I can't ignore. When in verse 27 it says, the one who has knowledge restrains his words. And one who keeps a cool head is a person of understanding. Even a fool is considered wise when he keeps silent, discerning when he seals his lips. Now, here's my question for you. For the sake of love and for the sake of wisdom, are you willing to consider whether Proverbs 17 applies to this situation? Everybody has their own opinions. Are you willing to consider whether it is wisest just to remain quiet? That's where I'm kind of landing right now. And again, I'm inviting you to kind of go on this journey with me and draw some of your own conclusions from it. But that's where I am. And I'm not calling for passive indifference. I'm not saying we just bottle things up and we don't care. We don't talk about anything. But I am calling for a love that knows when it's appropriate to mind your own business. Paul, if you would... If you would mess with the gospel, if you would preach a false gospel, he will, he will deal with you rather firmly. He'll say things in Galatians like, I wish you would emasculate yourselves. It doesn't get more divisive than that. But that's the gospel because Paul will also say, I want you to bear with one another. I want you to live a quiet life and I want you to mind your own business. And I'm trying to figure out if I know the difference between the two. Because sometimes in real time, I struggle to know the difference between the two. The third question that I have wrestled through lately is, am I able to take joy in the unity and in the diversity of God's people? Can I actually derive pleasure from the fact that we don't all have to agree about these things? Is that, is that passivity? Or is there maybe an element of holiness whenever I'm able to just take some things and, and set the opinions aside as just that opinion? Alexander Campbell is a, is a famous person in our tradition's history. He's a 19th century pastor in, uh, in middle America, Kentucky and, and Virginia and places like that, known as one of the big founders of what would eventually become known as the Stone Campbell Movement, from which places like Sunnybrook Christian Church get their history. And he, this is one of his most famous sayings. He says, and he's, he's adapting this from somebody else. It's not original to him. But this is his version of it. He says, in matters of faith, unity. Almost like Paul would say, when it comes to the gospel, we got to be on the same page. But then Campbell will go on to say, in matters of opinion, liberty. In all things, love. That has really rattled around my head lately. And I'm wondering if I'm able to do this in a time like this where everyone is wrestling with these newfound opinions about viruses, about governments, about one another. Maybe more than anything, we need to turn to Galatians 6. In the first five verses, Paul says this. He says, brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, in other words, if someone is in a sinful state, you who are spiritual, restore such a, person, such a person with a gentle spirit. So Paul's not saying we ignore things. He's not even saying to be quiet there. He's just saying it with a gentle spirit, restore the sinful brother or sister. 
But watch out for yourself so that you also won't be tempted. But then he says, just after that, carry one another's burdens. It's like, yeah, we, we need to press one another, and then we also need to step back and just be together. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each person examine his own work, and then he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with someone else. We do an awful lot of comparing right now. Maybe we should stop doing that. For each person will have to carry his own load. He says, deal with sin and then carry one of those burdens. And then, by the way, carry your own load. It's like we have to care for one another and we're individually responsible for one another. It's like he's saying, restore the brother. And then, at some point, mind your own business. Further down in verse 9, he says, Please let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us work for the good of all, not for the good of those who agree with us about COVID-19, not for the good of those who want to be at the church right now or who want to stay home right now, for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. We... Some of us are together and some of us are not. But this series is called Life Interrupted, Life Together. Though we may not be physically together, we're still in this together. And so I want to flip it. I want it to be now life together is the emphasis. And then I'll come back to my very first question at the beginning of this message. What does our current situation do to your heart? I pray that quietly this crisis will lead you to love your brothers and sisters and to love them well. We are doing this life together.